Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. How right and good and even joyful, for me at least, that I should have the option to preach on the text, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. I mean, any director of multicultural ministries <laughs> ought to be able to knock this one right out of the park, right? In today's world, these words from Isaiah virtually stand up and demand a sermon on diversity and inclusion. And yet, Isaiah is not exactly expressing the full-throated cultural and ethnic pluralism that sounds so attractive to many of our modern 21st century ears. Here is the context. Our reading comes from the beginning of 3rd Isaiah, the section of Isaiah which assumes a setting after the return from the Babylonian exile. Re-entry to the land has been very difficult, and many of the people are returning to the worship and rituals associated with other gods and religions that had been present among them for a very long time. They are neglecting the Sabbath, neglecting their obligations to the Lord their God. So in today's lesson, I sort of hear God saying something like this. And by the way, God gets a lot saltier in verses 9 and following that we did not read today. I sort of hear God saying, you do realize, don't you, that I don't exactly need you. Got some loyal foreigners over here. Got some loyal eunuchs over there. You are worshiping other gods, but you think that these other people are not good enough to worship me. Now hear this, I can and will use anyone I choose to fulfill my purposes. That may not be modern pluralism, but it is still very good news. Even good news, though, can be hard to accept when it seems to go against our long-held assumptions about the natural order of things. And the admittance of the foreigner and the eunuch did just that, which is perhaps why this passage presents us with some of the inner thoughts. Think about how different this would be if the oracle were delivered strictly in an imperative manner without those inner voices. People of Israel do not exclude righteous foreigners and eunuchs from my worship. Some of them are behaving much better than you are. In fact, righteous foreigners and eunuchs do not doubt your acceptance among my people. I have great things in store for you. Love you, mean it, the Lord your God. <laughs> but the inner doubts and misgivings are juxtaposed with God's proclamations. 
The Lord will surely separate me from his people, worries the foreigner. And I am just a dry tree, says the eunuch. Now, I don't know about you, but if I change the wording, I could easily hear these phrases coming from some of the people of Israel, as in, the Lord will surely separate them from us. Or as in, see that eunuch over there? Just a dry tree. These quotations in the lesson almost force us to begin thinking about the way we view ourselves and others versus the way that God views all of us. You see, God cares more about our commitments than our characteristics, more about our treatment of others than our physical or cultural traits. In the light of this good news, we must ask ourselves, will we choose to shape our lives according to those intractable inner judgments and narratives and hierarchies, which, by the way, go hand in hand with outer and collective judgments, narratives, and hierarchies? Or will we choose to live according to the reality of God's purposes for the human family, purposes that often thwart the boundaries, categories, and superficial commitments that can seem so incredibly important to us? Let us not forget that we serve a gathering God, one who, in the words of the reading, gathers the outcasts of Israel and gathers others to them besides those already gathered. To be clear, I'm not talking, I'm not making a let's all join hands and sing kumbaya type of appeal. Passionate disagreement, critical dialogue, protest, civil disobedience, these are all important and necessary. But for us as people of faith, they ought to take place not in the service of our narrow tribe or clan, but in the service of a God who, in the words of Jesus, makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. There is a lesson in all of this for the current situation in our public sphere. The nation continues to go through a divisive and turbulent time, thanks in large part to our acrimonious political discourse and climate. If you paid attention to the analysts, you know the fault lines, the obvious ones, of course, Republicans, Democrats, Greens, Libertarians, and then the somewhat more nuanced ones, like the never-Trumpers, the locker-uppers, the establishment, the Bernie holdouts, the evangelicals, the white working class, the suburbanites, the Black Lives Matter contingent. If we're honest, which one of these groups did we recently look at and say, I surely wish the Lord would separate them from us, or they are just dry trees, or perhaps a more colorful version of one of these? And on the other hand, how many of us have even simultaneously felt that we might be the ones who get separated from the rest, the ones who seem to have less worth and value as society defines these things? And I don't think that these are polar opposites necessarily, that you can do both at the same time. Perhaps now more than ever, we all need to believe in a gathering God a God who says, I can and will use anyone that I choose to bring about my salvation. 
That's a hard lesson to learn. The difficulty lies in the fact that we lose sight of the ultimate goal, which is not to win an election or to implement a socio-political agenda as important and legitimate as those goals might be to the functioning of our society. No, the goal is to allow God to gather us with whomever God chooses so that together we may live under the blessings of divine abundance. I do not know how in the world God is going to pull that off. It would be a much longer sermon and I would probably never get to an actual answer. But meanwhile, I think we have our marching orders. With God's help, let us make a choice each and every day to turn our thoughts from infidelity to faithfulness, from separation to solidarity, from despair to deliverance. And may we thus await with confidence the salvation of the Lord. Amen. <laughs>